Let's turn to the first chapter of Acts this morning. We'll look at two individuals who are clearly displayed for us and their lives and the importance of their lives. One is Judas, one is Matthias. You know, there's the story about the individual who just was at a loss for what he should do. And he got up one morning and said, Lord, I just don't know what I'm going to do, so I'm going to turn your Bible. And he laid it, and he opened it up, and he put his finger down, and he read the verse, and it said, and Judas went out and hung himself. Well, he said, that's got to be wrong. I'll do it again. So he, and it said, go and do Likewise. Well, now he's in a real bind. Okay, he says, okay, Lord, I'll give you one more chance. I'll give you one more chance to lead me, show me, show me what I'm supposed to do today. Whatever you do, go and do it quickly. Well, you know, he was toast. He was toast, okay? Ah, thankfully, well, if you did that this morning, you come and talk to me after church, okay? We, we're going to help you out there. We come to Acts chapter 1, and this great little section here, and like... Like this whole chapter, really, why is it here? Why does Luke, the writer of Acts, spend this amount of time? Remember, this is God's word. This is inspired in its original autograph. It is without error. Everything that is here is here for a specific reason. It is here for the crowd who is going to read it in the first century. It is here for we who are reading it in the 21st century. And if the Lord doesn't return, it will be here for the 41st century. And it will carry the same amount of weight and the same amount of authority. And how is it that we are to apply this in our lives? Okay, That's really what it comes down to. Why is this information here that was written 2,000 years ago about this guy Judas and the field that he buys or his money buys and all this and, and why they chose Matthias? What do we do with it today? That's what we're after. So if you're able, would you stand with me as we prepare to read the Word of God? Heavenly Father, come upon us today with your Holy Spirit that we would have understanding, that we would have insight into this passage. How shall we live because of what we see here? How do we apply the Word of God in our lives and in our hearts? Show us this today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 1, I'll read verses 15 through the end of the chapter 26. And at this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons was there together, and said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his portion in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all of his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field was called Hakaladama, that is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his homestead be made desolate, and let no man dwell in it, and his office let another man take. It is therefore necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism 
of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these should become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, who knowest all the hearts of all men, show which one of these two thou hast chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. This is God's inspired word for us today, so please be seated. Now with all of this going on, with this little passage here between the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the fulfillment of that promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, in the next chapter we have this section here, and as we said earlier, it's obviously it's important for us to understand this. What are we to understand here? Well, there are a lot of applications that we can make here. Today we're going to make this application. You're either Judas or you're Matthias. And that's what it comes down to. As we read scripture, in total, you are either one or the other. You are either with God or you are against God. You either belong to him or you do not belong to him. There is no fence sitting. There is no gray area. Um, and, and we've talked about this before. In, in the old uh, revival days, there used to be something called the seeker's bench. And people who were considering the things of Christ and considering being believers would come down in the revival meeting and this would be roped off and they would have the seeker's bench. And they would come down and often the preacher would go over and begin to preach to them. And sometimes if he knew them, he would even call them by name, okay? And, and, and really, uh, really focus in upon them. But even if you're on the seeker's bench, seekers are good, but seekers are not believers, Okay? For when you are called by our Heavenly Father, He calls you by name. And He says, you are mine and you will come unto me and you will believe. Okay, So you are either His or you're not His. You might be moving in that direction, but until faith has come into your life and the Lord has opened your eyes to your need and you have confessed and believed, you are not His. But once that happens, once that faith comes into your life, once your eyes are open to your sin and your need for forgiveness and you repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are forever changed. The confirmation class would simply tell you that is the, the action of justification. That happens once in your life. Okay? You are justified and you are forever changed. And in the rest of your life you, are spent, you spend growing in the things of Christ and that is called sanctification. Okay? You are either like Judas or you're like Matthias. You're either somebody who has spent their life with Christ and you kind of listen to him and you give certain evidences of faith, but really in your heart you are working even against the things of Christ. Sometimes you are simply apathetic to it, but sometimes you're actually working against the things of Christ. You may give an outward appearance of being a believer, but just like Judas, I mean, we, we sit here and we think, how can you spend three years with Jesus Christ and see all that he did and not believe? How can you be called by name? Come and follow me. Come be an apostle. Come and be part of this group and see all that went on, but not believe. And then we see 
either Judas or Matthias. Matthias was a chosen believer, and he followed Christ. And just remember, everybody like Judas comes to a tragic end. You may not all go out and hang yourselves if you're like Judas, uh, and have your, uh, as we'll see, your, your innards spilled out on a field, but in reality, you end up for all eternity receiving the due punishment upon you for sin. You either like Judas that goes that way or Matthias who experiences the wonderful eternity in the presence of our Heavenly Father. So let's look at Judas here. Uh, go to verse 18, chapter 1. And this is kind of a parenthetical insert here that Luke adds. And, and we'll look at why he adds this. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness. Now, now we understand that Judas never bought the field himself. Okay, if we turn over to Matthew chapter 27, keep your fingers in Acts, turn over to Matthew 27, we'll see what they're talking about here. So this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness. You'll recall it was 30 pieces of silver uh, that he was paid to betray Jesus Christ and to uh, show his, the enemies of Christ who he was. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 5 through 7, we see this little uh, illustration here of, the, of what they're talking about. This is Judas, and he threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary and departed and went away and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them into the temp temple treasury, since it is the price of blood. And they counseled together, and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers, for this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Um, you know, they wouldn't take money that was blood money. Uh, frankly, if you go out and win the lottery and you, get, you win $10 million, we'll take a tithe. Okay. I, I don't have any problem with that, all right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Judas picked a side and he lost. He picked a side that Jesus was the one who was going to come and overthrow the Roman government. And when Jesus did not produce to Judas' expectations, he betrayed Christ. Now, he was hanged there. Now, it's interesting, if you remember from, from Matthew there, it just said he went out and hung himself. Now, remember, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. So, a suicide in the Jewish world was very bad. He didn't have to elaborate upon it at all. As soon as the Jewish ear heard that he had hung himself, they knew that Judas was accursed. So when you get to Acts and Luke is writing for a much more Gentile audience, and, and in with that audience, suicide wasn't all that bad. Sometimes suicide was seen as an honorable death, an honorable departure from this world. So he wants to make sure that we understand how, how bad Judas was. He kind of illustrates exactly what happened. Matthew said he hung himself. Luke says, now this man acquired a field and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all of his bowels gushed out. Uh, how did that happen? Perhaps he hung himself and the rope broke after a while or the limb broke or something like that. We won't go into all the gory details, but you get the understanding that Luke wanted the Gentile audience to understand that Judas was a bad guy. He had done bad things, and this is what happens to guys who do this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, Peter wants them to know, more importantly, that what happened to Judas was prophesied some six or seven hundred years 
prior to his actions, some six or seven hundred years prior to his actions. So you so say, well, what does that mean? Well, if you look at verse 20, we see what happened. Well, let's go to verse 16 first. It says, brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled. The scripture had to be fulfilled. Now, we understand that scripture will be fulfilled. Sometimes it is fulfilled in the near time. Sometimes, as in prophecy, it is filled in, in the distance uh, that we don't know about. Christ will return soon. When is soon? It is soon. Okay. Now, it's interesting. We looked at, at something uh, just recently. Christ will return soon. But what is today? Today is the day of salvation. Okay, we see that again and again in Scripture. Today you are commanded to believe. When will Christ return? He'll return soon. There is a distinction between soon and now. Okay, the things that are important, the things that must happen now are listed in Scripture as today. Today is the day of salvation. You can't say, well, I'll, I'll come to Christ soon. Okay, I'll believe soon. No, Christ is going to return soon. That is an indefinite time. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen in 4,000 years. When should you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved? Today. Why? Because today is the day of salvation. Well, what we find here is that the Old Testament is fulfilled in the actions of Judas and the actions of the selection of his replacement. Why? Because it had to be fulfilled. Scripture says this is what will happen. Let his homestead, verse 20, be made desolate and let no man dwell in it. That is the land that his money bought. Okay, it was a burial place, the field of blood. Okay, and then we see his, the, the fulfillment of his office, let another take. We find that that is Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. From the words of David, we're seeing Luke and Peter say these things are the fulfillment of those words. This is why it had to happen this way. So Peter said it had to be. Why does it have to be? Because nothing the Lord says will come about can be stopped. No inspired word of God from the Old Testament or the New Testament can be stopped. The words, the works of man cannot interrupt the plan and the will of our Heavenly Father. So this is the way it was supposed to happen. So we want to understand about Judas today. Straightforward, Judas is the greatest example of a wasted opportunity, greatest example of a wasted life. Again, spending all this time with, with Christ, only 11 other people in all of history have had the opportunity that Judas had to see and to hear, to be a part of it, to walk and, to, and, and just to witness the healing. Imagine coming across somebody with a withered arm and Jesus speaks and that arm is restored. And remember, this is just a small portion of the works that Jesus did while he was here. All of those things were done. And to see them and then to turn and walk away in unbelief. All of those things wasted in unbelief. The other 11 had this great chance and their lives came out very different. In fact, for all eternity, their lives came out very differently. Judas wasted those, and for 30 pieces of silver, he turned Jesus over into the hands of the authorities. All right, what about the other man in our passage? What about Matthias? Now, Peter and Matthias historically have gotten a bad rap, I think. As I studied more, and, and I was one of the ones that gave him a bad rap, because I, for years I thought that this was a mistake. I thought that Peter was simply being his usual impetuous self 
And uh, there they were in the upper room. And what were they doing? They were called to wait, but they were praying. They were praying on a regular basis. They were praying for the promises of our Heavenly Father that he would send the promised Holy Spirit. And you can just imagine they're all sitting around and Peter's getting antsy. Maybe he was a little, I don't know, ADD or whatever. And he just, he just I've got to have action. He says, let's pick another one. Let's pick a replacement for Judas. Okay? So I thought he was being impetuous here, but this is really not what we find here in this passage, and specifically because it was prophesied from the Psalms. If Peter was mistaken, surely we would see that later in Scripture. Surely we would see that corrected. If he had jumped the gun, now I used to think, well, well, gee, Peter, the Holy Spirit's coming just in the next chapter. Couldn't you have waited until then and then received the insight that you needed and then picked Paul? Because wasn't Paul the next, wasn't he the apostle to replace him? Let's read here in verse uh, 21. It is therefore necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us. They had to select from the prophecy in the psalm. They had to select somebody, and here was the requirement. They had to have been there since the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. That leaves Paul out. Paul was not there. But Paul fills other roles uh, or other um, uh, requirements of an apostle called by Jesus Christ. Remember the road to Damascus. Spent time being educated by the Holy Spirit, that time off in the desert for three years as the Lord came upon him and taught him. Well, the requirement here is that you had to see him from the very first time of his baptism on until his resurrection and ascension. And there were apparently only two people in all of the 120 who fit this category or fit these categories of people. One was Matthias and the other was Barsabbas. Now Barsabbas is um, apparently, just from the information we have, he's the guy that I would have picked. Okay, Look at uh, verse 23. And they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice. Justice is the uh, Latin phrase for just, and and it kind of hints that he's a good guy. Uh, If his nickname is Justice, his uh, Hebrew name was Barsabbas, meaning probably he was born on the Sabbath. So uh, on the externals, it appears that Barsabbas really has the upper hand. But if you go back in the Old Testament, there was this guy named Samuel who went to Jesse's house and looked at the oldest son and said, surely the anointed of God is before us. And God said, what? Keep going. And then the next son comes in and he says, surely the anointed of God is before us. He's so big and tall and strong. He said, keep going, keep going. He said, do you have any other sons? He said, well, I got the little one out in the field watching the sheep. Bring him in. And his name was David. Okay. Because David had a heart. That was right for the Lord. So for whatever reason, obviously uh, the Lord wanted Matthias more so than Barsabbas here. Um, So a New Testament word for apostle, that is someone who is uh, called, someone who is sent. Sometimes it's very broad, sometimes it's defined very narrow here. And here it is defined very narrow. One of the twelve. One of the twelve. So Matthias was fulfilling that vacant office vacated by Judas, although Matthias has a very different heart and a very different set of priorities, certainly, than Judas did. 
So how did they choose them? Well, they cast lots. We think that that's kind of a strange way to choose something as important as the uh, replacement for Judas, as important as one of the 12 apostles, but they're going to cast lots. Now, it is not uncommon uh, in this society all the way back into the Old Testament to cast lots to determine the will of God. Um, you might find, are we, is this like cutting cards today, high card gets the apostleship, low card doesn't, or something like that, or we're going to throw the dice. It wasn't quite the same. What they would do is, is often they would take two stones of the same size and write Matthias on one and Barsabbas on the other, put them in a clay thing, shake it up, throw it out. The first one that comes out is the one that God has chosen. That's how they would determine that. Uh, there were also some other means, and if you go back on the breastplate of the high priest, you had the urum and the thumim. And they were two things that they would put into a bag and uh, to determine what the Lord's will was, they would reach into the bag and pull that out, okay? And that would determine the will of the Lord. But we see that, that this stops after this. This is the last time that this kind of thing is ever used because the Holy Spirit does come directly after this. And there they receive the insight that they need. The, they, they no longer say, Lord, we're just going to draw lots. From now on, they spend time in prayer and seek the Holy Spirit, that he comes and gives them the insight that they need. So if you are going home today and doing eeny, meeny, miny, moe uh, to try to determine God's will, that's not quite how it works anymore. Okay? Better to spend time on your knees. Better to seek counsel from friends who are full of faith. Better to go to the word of God and to see what he says for us. Now notice that once they choose Matthias, we don't hear any word that Barsabbas became upset, he took his ball and went home or anything like that. We don't have any evidence of that. My guess is that he continued on in ministry or followed these as, as a believer. Um, but what about the fact that we don't hear from Matthias again? No longer in Scripture do we hear anything about him. Well, we don't hear much from the rest of the, the apostles. What we hear about mostly is Paul and Peter and, and James and John. Tradition tells us that they all lost their lives through martyrdom, except John, as we see him writing uh, the book of Revelation there on Patmos towards the end of the first century. But that doesn't mean that they picked the wrong guy. What it means probably is that Matthias, along with Bartholomew and all the other apostles, went out and taught the word, healed the sick, did these miracles as demonstrations of the authority and power of the, the word of God, and went about their ministry and gave their lives for the cause of Christ. That's basically what it means. doesn't mean we have to hear anything more about them. Remember, there are so many other things that could have been added to God's word that were not. Well, Judas is replaced with somebody who is not like him. And Peter, as quoting two psalms, remind us it had to be this way. It had to be this way. All right? All that, what about us? What does this mean for us? Well, none of us are apostles, but you, if you're a believer, you're still chosen by Christ. He calls you by name and says, come to me. I have grace and I have mercy for you. He calls you by name. Now, do you hear an audible voice? Well, I, I did not hear an audible voice saying, Randy, you know, that's what we always think God speaks real low and deep. But in here, you felt the call of the Lord. You knew he said, today is the day of your salvation. You're not going to put it off anymore. This is your day. 
So in our lives, we're either one of two people. We're either Judas, where we see things and we hear things and we walk alongside these things, but we don't believe them, or we're Matthias and we are chosen and we go about and do the things that God calls us to do. Well, there are plenty of religions in, in, in the world. There are some 4,500 different religions in the world that have a couple adherents to several billion adherents. And we think that, well, how can this be true? Are there only two types of people in the world? That's what Scripture says. You're either like Judas, you can see it and not believe it, or you're like Matthias, and you can hear the call of the Lord and follow and be forever changed. So let's pray. Lord, this is... Belief is this great gift you give to us. Some of us heard the things of, of Jesus for years and years. And we were like Judas. We thought they were nice, or we thought they were a good tale, and we didn't believe. We went along with things. Maybe we humored other people. We accepted their belief as true, but it wasn't right for me. Not until that day that you spoke our name to us and you placed your grace and mercy upon our hearts. Then we could not deny it. No longer were we like Judas, just going along and for the ride, but we'd become like Matthias, somebody who was called by you and forever changed. Lord, for those of us who have been changed, we know this. We might be able to pick out the day and remember that day, maybe even the moment, where we sensed you were calling us to salvation. For others, others, Lord, you've been working on their hearts and preparing them for the day when you will open their eyes and their heart. They will hear your voice. They will believe. Lord, we pray that you would speed that day. For we know you have chosen those who will be yours, and we pray for their salvation. We pray, Lord, that your great mercy and peace will come upon them, that they will understand this gift that comes only through Jesus Christ. Lord, there are people in our hearts that perhaps we have prayed for for years. We so desperately want them to believe. Help us to be merciful and compassionate to them. Help us not just to share the things of Christ with them in our mouths, but that we might demonstrate to them this love that has changed our lives, that they might see that the love of Christ makes a difference, not just hear it. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.